I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Baselayer is sponsored by Diginex and by its digital asset exchange, Equas. As an exchange, Equas is focused on delivering innovative product compliance, fairness, and most importantly, trust. In a time when institutional investors are beginning to seriously review digital assets for their portfolio, these are key elements necessary to build bridges to new investors. Equas currently provides digital asset spot trading and perpetual futures, and plans to soon offer dated futures and options. Parent company Diginex also provides capital markets advisory, asset management, and custody. To check them out, you can go to diginex.com and equos.io. That is E-Q-U-O-S.io. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Chris Wood, the Chief Operating Officer at Pixelmatic with me today. Chris, how are you? I'm not bad at all. Thanks very much for having me, David. Looking forward to this. So we have delved deep into this intersection of gaming and the marriage, if you will, of digital assets. This is going to be a first. We have been focusing most of our time on Ethereum-based intersections of gaming. This is one that is actually the marriage of the Bitcoin blockchain and things that are being done in that uh, sector uh, with gaming. Pixelmatic was founded in 2011 as a game development studio, um, and you guys have a great team over there of industry veterans from Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard, Relic, and other places. And so what we'd like to do before we get too far into Pixelmatic and what you guys are doing there and some of the great games that you're designing, what we'd like to do is with our guests, how did we get to this point? Where did you, you know, along the way, where did you get involved with gaming did you have an interest in this kind of intersection of blockchains and gaming? How did we get to this point right now where we're talking today? Yeah, well, wow, great question. So um, in the first place, yeah, I mean, I've been a gamer since I was very young. I've been a gamer since I was three years old, um, but I won't give you the life story. <laughs> <laughs> I simply, I moved to Shanghai about nine years ago, started just after I graduated, and I got into what most people do when they moved to Shanghai, which is teaching, actually, in the first place. So I was a teacher, and then I moved into uh, a management and operations role within that uh, school. We opened various schools all the way across China. And I was there for about five years until I met the CTO of Pixelmatic, Sonny, in the gym. And in a very China style, my wife um, said, hey, I'm training this uh this, this, this woman who's, whose husband is a foreigner, a Western guy. You should go and talk to him. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, that's fine. So me and Sonny got along really, really well. At the time, I wanted to develop an educational game. Um, so I thought that would be an opportunity. So I went for a beer with him. And it turned out that he was making this incredible um, space game with Samson Mao. 
And so I, I just really, I was really uh, excited and interested about this. Um, he invited me to the office. We talked uh, with Samson for a while and they hired me as a, a part-time game designer in the first place um, because I'd, I just had loved games since I was you know, a kid. I've always been a gamer. And I jumped at that opportunity. And then, of course, with the operational background that I had, uh, I moved very quickly into being a project manager because me and Samson basically went for a, for a coffee because this was uh, about three years, well, four years ago now. Wow, time's flying. And basically at that time, Infinite Fleet was kind of just an idea of Samson's. And so he grabbed me and took me to a Starbucks and we chatted about Infinite Fleet. And he, he laid out this vision of the game for me. And I was just so unbelievably excited about it because what he wanted to do was create this game where players really mattered, where the story of the game was kind of impacted totally by what the players and the community did. So that just roped me right in and, and I quit my job the next day, went full-time in Pixelmatic as a project manager, and then over the years have, have kind of worked my way up to being the COO and driving this project here, driving the team, uh, the investment, and of course the, the blockchain side as well. So obviously, um, I'm not sure if you're, your listeners are aware of Samson now, I'm sure a lot of them are, but he's the CSO of Blockstream. He was previously at uh, the COO of BTC China, which was one of the biggest exchanges in, you know, in the world. Um, and so he had this, this natural marriage between the two industries. Um, so yeah, I've been supporting him along the way. I was going to ask you because those there are, we have obviously covered both sides of the spectrum here, and there are multiple sides of the spectrum. There's Ethereum, there's there's obviously the Bitcoin blockchain, and those that are developing things there. And Samson has been an integral part of the development on the Bitcoin side as well. So I was going to ask you to reference Samson and obviously give our listeners a little bit of insight into that. And so what I'd love for you to do, so gaming is obviously massive today. You have over roughly from some of the estimates, over 2 billion people around the world that play games on a pretty regular basis. Um, a lot of them are, are two different types of models. You have those that are paying to play. Um, they obviously pay ahead of time and then they enjoy the game. And then there are ones that are playing to try to earn digital assets, other things out there. And so we'd love to kind of get a sense, what is Pixelmatic's kind of vision here for gaming and also, what is its kind of vision for this marriage, if you will, of you know digital assets like Bitcoin uh, with gaming? What is the vision here? Awesome. Yeah, I, I really can't wait to dive in because actually what we're doing here, I've certainly I've never seen before, and I'm not sure if you have, but basically we're not doing the way that is typical in the NFT model where, you know, we have uh, game assets on the blockchain, which can be mm -hmm. traded with it with a token, essentially, like a tokenized uh, asset in this way. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is having a game currency in the game, which has full portability for players. So how that would work in a sort of user journey is um, you would jump into the game, like any other game, World of Warcraft, EVE Online, any of those, you just play, and you will earn the uh, INF currency by playing so that means taking part in these big community raids where you know you're all um taking on sort of alien enemies and things like that mm -hmm. and what you do in those events how you take part you will then be rewarded with inf currency 
And that's what we call this proof of participation. It's kind of like a play on proof of work, right? We want people to actually take part, to earn something. So you don't buy this, this currency, you play to earn it. And it has portability. So that means it can be extracted to the digital wallet and can then, of course, be taken from there mm-hmm. to, to gain value from the player's investment of time. Because the point is, you know, we're making an MMO game, massively multiplayer online. This is like games that you might have heard of, like World of Warcraft, for example. And these games are kind of like a second life for players where they invest so much time and effort into building these incredible uh, characters and avatars of themselves mm-hmm. as such. And one day, you know, they, they might want to play something else or maybe they've had enough or, or whatever, but, or maybe they just want to take this, this avatar and, and you know, right. move on to something else. But with us, what you can do then is um, trade the digital assets like your, you know, your spaceship or whatever on a peer-to-peer marketplace using our currency, the INF token. So it's not the actual... It, it's not the actual avatar. It's not the actual character. It's not the actual, you know, pickaxe, if you will, you know, referencing Fortnite. It's something else. Correct. It's a currency. So right. the way we thought about it was, you know, with the NFT model, which is really cool at the end of the day, there are, there are lots of really awesome things you could do with it. Um, but integrating blockchain directly into the game this way with, with these assets is really cumbersome. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I mean, even if you go to like top 10 blockchain games right now and you just try and play any of them, it's actually really, really difficult to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to download MetaMask. You've got mm-hmm. to just work around the, these steps and things. What we felt was, okay, we want to make a great game and we want to roll in a kind of Trojan horse where gamers will play the game first mm-hmm. and learn about cryptocurrency afterwards mm-hmm. when they realize that they can actually extract the token. See, you don't have to uh, download a digital wallet. You don't have to download any dApps in our game when you play it and mm-hmm. earn the INF currency. It's only when you extract it and move it to another platform, that's when you need to learn about crypto, right? right. So our goal there is to say, hey, we've got a great game. You've got this token, but hey, you know what? You can actually do stuff with this if you kind of dig in and learn a little bit rather right. than saying, okay, blockchain game, bang, and ram it down your throat straight, straight up. You know what I mean? Because and- it's a real barrier to entry. Do you facilitate any education on that then? Because obviously for those, I'm going to say this in a way that hopefully any gamers that are listening to this can appreciate. Gamers are pretty sophisticated. Um, They know their way around, you know, user environments. But for those that may be less inclined or less technocratic, if you will, it can be kind of, you know, different. Uh, You know, obviously you're earning, you know, as I mentioned, again, there is this kind of play to earn model which is you know very popular these days and that's kind of what you are doing and so someone is and i want to hear more about this how are they earning what kind of things do they have to do to earn i'm guessing as the difficulty level increases that they probably earn more but how what are some of the things that they do to earn and then once they earn and say for instance they do want to extract that digital asset out are you giving them a roadmap on how to do that? Well, yes, of course we will do. We'll be supporting the, the players with, you know, uh, tutorials and things like that to do that. And to be honest, I mean, as you were saying, players are very savvy. So what players do when they play MMOs or any, any PvP games as well, uh, MOBAs and things, they immediately go to Reddit to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for guides and things. How do I optimize? How do I do this? How do, they get really into the community. 
mm-hmm. especially with an MMO as well. I mean, they're just such community-driven projects that, of course, everyone's there to facilitate. Now, obviously, we will be giving them some step-by-step guides, but I think the community will massively support it too. Now, in terms of how do they earn, they earn by playing the game. Mm-hmm. So, like any other MMO, I'm, I, if this is a space game. Infinite Fleet is a space game where I'm building a fleet, right? My job is to protect humanity against this, at these alien invaders. Mm-hmm. And how I do that is build mining installations, uh, space stations, a fleet, synergize that fleet, you know, customize it, take the parts out and put it together and, and, and blow stuff up, essentially. Mm-hmm. And when you go on these, these massive events with other players and you are then rewarded for your participation in that event, that reward will be in the way of INF token, as well as some other things, I'm sure, as well. Now, that token will drive a peer-to-peer marketplace that we have in-game. This is still off-chain here. This is still Mm -hmm. very much off-chain. But in the game, I can sell my Versa-class spaceship for 100 INF, let's say. Mm -hmm. So then I have 100 INF, and I say, okay, I'm going to take that onto Binance, for example, or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull it out into my digital wallet and then go and trade. Now, this is an exchange model, right? So we're hoping that the token discovers value. We're not selling the token at any point. Right. Is there some sort of an automated market maker or some sort of an automated process where your systems, your protocol is effectively creating a deflationary supply? I imagine, obviously, with Samson being involved with this and obviously being the Bitcoiner that he is, there's deflationary kind of in his DNA. Other, you know, kind of, you know, digital assets are obviously inflationary and you have burn and buy models and things of that nature. With this, is there more of a deflationary model where there's a very set supply? Yeah, so we have a fixed total supply of INF and the emission curve is basically going to be like Bitcoins. So in the first, you know, season or two of the game, of course, people that take part are going to be getting a lot more INF tokens. And then as the game goes on, it's going to be less and less and less and less, just just like Bitcoin in the same way. But, you know, obviously our game designers are very much on, on top of the um, economy as well. You know, like Stefan, for example, one of our designers, he comes from like 10 years or more than, than that, I think, of mobile game development and dealing with currencies and market making and things like that as well. So he's very, they're very much making sure that we're, we're on top of the, the economy side. But basically, yes, we're doing the fixed total supply and, and kind of replicating the Bitcoin model, essentially. I had a feeling. Um... That's a joke, um, but it's actually serious. So I think the thing is, is that Bitcoin and Ethereum-based gaming has been around now for a few years. Obviously, it takes a long time for adoption to happen. I mean, for God's sakes, it's taken over 11 years for Bitcoin to really start taking massive adoption. And we're not even, I can't even classify it as massive adoption. But you're starting to see very recognizable people every day talking about Bitcoin as a as a inflation hedge, and I'm not going to get into that because we're talking about gaming, but it's taken a while for this world to start to gain some notoriety and some acceptance in society. With gaming, as you know, you are a gamer, people live and die by, you know, COD, by Call of Duty. They live and die by Fortnite. Um, they play, you know, they can play hours at a time, and I've had to try to limit my folks here at home who try to play a little bit and we actually have been cutting that down um but these games can get kind of you know very sticky and kind of almost addictive but that takes a while it doesn't happen overnight 
you have to have influencers, you have to have the laser beams of the world, and the Mr. Beasts of the world, and the ninjas of the world who are streaming these things. So what's the roadmap? Are you going to start having people going on Twitch and streaming, you know, and then playing this? How are you going to start getting people to really start taking, you know, kind of the quote-unquote blockchain gaming space seriously with this? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think that's what we absolutely need to do is to drive the vision of the game first. Absolutely. So our alpha is out at the end of this year. In fact, we're going to be starting right then. We haven't been driving the marketing at this stage. We've been focusing mostly on development. So 2021 is going to be the year that we're really blowing up with some, you know, with, with a big marketing drive. We've got a, a second trailer coming out very soon. Um, you know, our fan base has been growing fairly steadily and pe people are very, very excited about the game. But in the first place, you know, we, 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 we did a raise um, for the game in the first place. And we've had some really big investors come on board, uh, like Charlie Lee, Adam Back, for example, in the, in the sort of crypto side. Um, but yeah, th this, this is going to be a case of obviously the alpha comes out at the end of this year, and then we have this iterative release, and then we start to really bring some big names on board because as you said, our team is, you know, really triple A quality developers yep. here. Um, so we're really, really excited about the vision of the, the game itself because it's yep. going to be a whole lot of fun now. Yeah. So we're doing a raise basically at the end of this year. Um, obviously we're, aiming that uh, a lot of the capital from that is going to go into influences for sure absolutely because mm -hmm. we're really hoping to be the the product that makes the the real breakthrough i mean you're talking about samson his background of course is in crypto but also gaming he was an executive producer at uh, ubisoft before as well right um and Rel and relic so yeah we've uh, <laughs> we're in the space for sure because i think i don't know about you i don't have you ever have you come across many um, projects in this space that have been that have had so many sort of actual game developers in there that have had kind of a quite strong experience because I, I haven't seen too many. There are a few. Um, there are you know, as I said, big, you know, blockchain gaming as a vertical has been around now for probably plus five years. You know, the early days. I always like to joke. <laughs> the early days kind of looked like 1982 Donkey Kong on you know. Or it kind of looked like 16-bit type of Atari type of stuff. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Um, and then you started to have designers, like you mentioned, obviously from some of the larger um, studios, come into this and start designing more beautiful games. So you've had phases. And you were correct. In the kind of the chronological order, you had, okay, let's put out some really, you know, quick games here that are kind of earn Bitcoin or trade Bitcoin. Then you started to have the Ethereum-based games a few years ago. And those were also, you know, kind of difficult to use because you had to have the integration of MetaMask. You couldn't actually play before you actually, you know, obviously staked or put up some Ethereum. And now you're starting to see kind of what you're talking about is, let's just get these people to play. Let them play. They can earn a digital asset, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's Liquid, whether it's obviously Ethereum, whether it's their own native token, let them play first. They don't need to have this kind of strapping process to a MetaMask or another type of wallet. Let them play and let them get kind of into the game and let them earn something from it. So that's kind of phase three where we're at right now. And you're starting to see, as that has evolved, you're starting to see more of these designers start to say, hey, wait a second. This idea of compostability that you're kind of alluding to is actually something really cool. You know, it kind of sucks that if someone 
spends, you know, $1,000 on V-Bucks, which is Fortnite's native uh, digital asset, if you will, that it's not theirs. It's Epic's. Um, and so there is, you know, this kind of movement, and it's a very slow movement, that you see people who are saying, well, wait a second. You know, if you actually put all that money into this, that actually should be yours. It shouldn't be the the studios. And so I think this is an important time, and I think it's going to take a little bit more time to kind of see this through. But, you know, what you're working on and what some of the others are working on, I think, are definitely heading in the right direction. But again, in the world that we live in, and this is really evident, you know, you know, people like Mr. Beast, as I mentioned, Ninja, they have 20, 30, 40, 50 million followers on YouTube. If you don't attack that model and you don't attack that market, you're dead. It just doesn't work. And so, you know, that's, you know, we'll see how that goes. And obviously, we're going to obviously follow your progress on that. So you laid out the model, uh, the the kind of the roadmap. So this is going to be where we can start seeing this possibly in the beginning of January of 2021? That's right. Yeah, we'll actually be having some um, very early access people towards the end of December. But yeah, the first um, real releases then. And then obviously what we're doing is an iterative release every sort of two or three months of just, you know, massive amounts of content and features through to beta towards the end of the year. That's the plan. That's good. So what we'll do is we'll have you back on again, uh, maybe later in January or in February to see how things are going. Maybe we will actually do a video where someone on your side can actually show us a little bit of how the game works. Um, I think that would be really cool for a lot of people. And so we'll follow back up with you again, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on Base Layer and talking to us about the game and about Pixel Matic and everything you guys are doing there. And uh, we'll wish you luck. David, thanks very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, it's, it's very much uh, interesting to hear uh, your thoughts on this, uh, this space as well. Uh, and yeah, please do, do keep an eye on Infinite Fleet um, because it's definitely something that I think is a little different from what I've seen out there. Uh, we're really hoping to you know, drive something different by, by putting the game first and then rolling out that adoption of cryptocurrency afterwards. Outstanding. All the best. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.